Ephesians chapter 6 is where you need to be. Let's ask God to guide our time too. Father, I pray right now that you would just reveal your spirit to us. We ask, I ask God, uh, I always need your spirit to be here. I know we need him. But I pray more than ever, open our minds and hearts. And uh, Lord, we know you're here right now. We know that there's a spiritual realm that if our eyes were open, we could see. May we not miss it in Jesus' name. Amen. April the 29th, 1992 at 6.45 p.m., a truck driver is on his normal rounds. And he pulls into the intersection of Florence and Normandy, not knowing he's pulled into a firestorm. He'll be drugged from his truck and beaten nearly to death as news cameras watch. The L.A. riots were in full force, and Reginald Denny was beaten and beaten and beaten. He had no idea what he was driving into. He had no idea that a little war had erupted. And because of, not, not, not saying this meanly, he would tell you if he was here today, because of him not knowing, it almost cost him his life. To not know you're in the midst of a battle can be incredibly dangerous. To not be aware of the danger around you, of the assault that could come, can be perilous to anyone who, who is not living in wisdom, but in ignorance. There is a spiritual war being waged today. If God gave you an answer to Elisha's prayer, that your eyes would be open you would be amazed at what you could see. Maybe even shocked. Elisha had walked outside with his servant Gehazi, and he looked and saw an army that had come to attack and kill him. A whole army mounted against this one man. He stood with confidence, and his servant began to quake. And then God, God answered a prayer, because Elisha would look and say, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And at that moment, his eyes were open, and all around him, the angels of God were known. And he saw an army from God more powerful and more mighty than the army that came to capt- put him in captivity. Now, now, here's what I want you to know. If God opened your eyes today, what would you see? You would see the angels of God are here, but you would also see the demonic. Demons are real. That side is real. And if God opened your eyes to it, you would see it. Of course, the best news of all, you would see the very Spirit of God here. But we need to understand there is a spiritual realm out there. And we need to understand there's a spiritual war that is being waged. In Ephesians 6 verse 10 it says this. And notice how Paul words it. Finally. In other words, he wants an impact moment to occur. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. The word strong there is a Greek word and it, it really has the sound to it in dynamite. Be in dynamited. Be ready to explode with the power of God emanating through you. Be ready to explode with the power of God that literally flows throughout every ounce of your being. And and be strong in Him. Be empowered in Him. And then it says, and in the strength of His might. The word strength is a Greek word, kratos. And it means take dominion. Have vigor. Have a a vitality to you. God says, I I need you to be that way. You and I are not to be beaten down and defeated. We are to be overwhelming conquerors and victors. And we are to be strong in the power of God and in the strength of His might. And God's great desires we would do that. But notice the next line. Put on the full armor of God 
so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, don't miss there is a devil. Satan is real. Satan is alive and well on planet earth and actually in heaven accusing you right now. And you need to understand that and not miss it. I, I got to say it's intriguing to me that a survey done not too long ago showed while the vast majority of people believe in God, a far lesser group believes there's a devil. But you need to know that the Bible puts that hand in hand. It's not a choice. And God wants you to know there's an enemy. He wants you to know that Satan is real. I don't know if you heard about the young fiance that came to her mother devastated. She's crying. And she said, Mom, I don't know what to do. I, I thought I was marrying a godly man. And the mom says, well, I think he is godly. And she says, Mom, he believes in God, but he doesn't believe in the devil. And the mother said, have him come stay with us for a week, and he'll know there's a devil. There is a devil. There is Satan. He's real, and we need to understand it. C.S. Lewis said something very interesting. He said that there are two extremes we do not want to fall in when it comes to the whole idea of Satan. One extreme is to believe he doesn't exist at all and leave yourself open to him being able to take you down through his scheming. And the other extreme to be is to see Satan in too many things, to see him in everything, to give him too much credit. One is to not believe at all, and the other is to act like he has all these things going on. And, and I've got to tell you, we've seen people like that, who act like the devil's responsible for everything and involved in everything. There was a, a man who put out a list of all the ways that demons work that we need to be uh, aware of. And he says, I want you to know there's a demon of lying and there's a demon of cheating and a demon of sexuality. And you ready for this? He said, there's a demon of disco. <laughs> Saturday night fever, baby. You know, and, uh, you know that, that's crazy. And it's, it's good to laugh at that. But we need to be aware. M. Scott Peck Dr. Ian Scott Peck, who's a psychologist, uh, had written a, a best-selling book called The Road Less Traveled. He uh, was excited that now he was actually going to be able to fund himself to do the study he had always wanted to do. And that study was on a psychology of evil. Dr. Peck at that moment was an agnostic leaning towards atheism. And, and in studying evil, in, in doing a very exhaustive study of it, he knew he needed to address the whole idea of is there a devil and is the demonic real and is demon possession valid? He didn't believe it was, but he thought as a scientist he needed to actually take some time to study it. So he put out the word that he would like to view an exorcism. And uh, he went to his first one, he arranged three. And he went to the first one and he, he had his, his pre preconceived notion validated that, that, you know what, it's, it's fake. The person in front of him had clear psychological issues, and they were calling it demonic, and it wasn't demonic, and as a matter of fact, probably harmful to the person. And so he left, you know, feeling like, you know, I, what I thought was true. Now, he almost didn't go to number two and number three based on the first one, but he decided he had to give it at least three case studies. And he went to the second one. And in the book, People of the Lie, he tells how what he encountered was too real. He said, I encountered an evil so apparent, so real, that it made me cry out within my heart and mind, please let there be a God. Please let there be a God. And, and he ended up now coming into faith in Jesus Christ today. He's a born-again Christian. 
But I want you to know in the book, People of the Lie, he now shows that there, in his mind, there's no doubt there's not only evil, but there's an evil one. And, and he is there, and you need to be aware of it. Paul says we're in a battle, and we need to be well-armed. That's why he starts this first, put on the full armor of God. And in Romans 13, 12, it says this, The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We need to put on the armor of light. We need to lay aside the deeds of darkness. We need to understand the time we live in. Paul says you've got to be ready for it. Go back to Ephesians 6.11 with me. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The first thing I don't want you to miss is we need to stand firm. The Bible says you're to stand firm against the schemes of the devil and you're to flee temptation. The problem we have today, and I want to say this, there really is a problem. There's an issue where I think Christians have mixed this up. We're running from the devil and trying to stand against temptation. The Bible says you flee temptation. You run from that. But the devil you stand firm against. Um, I had some uh, college uh, uh, girls who were a part of our ministry when I was a student pastor who went to Azusa Pacific University. And four of them had gotten an off-campus uh, apartment that they were living in. And then it happened that an issue arose that they asked me to intercede on. One of the girls had fallen in love with a, a, a neat Christian guy, and he would come over to their apartment, and these two would go into her bedroom alone together and close the door. And the other three tried to talk to her, say, look, we're not comfortable with this. We don't think it's healthy. And, and she said, no, you're wrong, and, and literally would just not listen to them. So the three came to me, and they said, Chuck, are, are we wrong? And I said, no, you're not wrong. I said, you're not wrong at all. I said, what are they doing? And I said, I'll talk to them. So I got the guy and girl together, and I got to tell you, I, the guy got a little rebellious on me. He just said, well, you know what? We're not doing anything wrong, and I don't see the issue. And you know what? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to what the Bible said. And I said, good, I've got a verse for you. Flee temptation. And he looked at me and said, I'm not tempted. And I said, well, then you've got a bigger problem. You're telling me you're laying in bed with her with the door closed and you don't have any desire for her at all? I looked at her and I said, do you realize what he just said? He said you're so unattractive to him that he could be in bed next to you and not have any desire. And I said, you, you've either got a biological problem or you're lying, man. And, uh, and he goes, well, no. And I said, no, the Bible's clear. You flee. You don't do that. Now, i got to be honest, they finally quit. By the way, i got to tell you, the good news is, man, her mom and dad called me. We didn't know what was going on. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. We think you're the greatest. You know, and, uh, but the Bible says flee temptation. But you know what? It says stand against the devil. Tonight, tonight, if you're laying in bed, and it's dark in your room, and the temperature drops, and your breath is blowing, and you look over, and there's a glow in the corner that starts to grow. And pow, Satan appears. All you got to do is go in the name of Christ. I command you to go. He's got to go. You don't need to be afraid. You don't have to wet the bed. You know, you could be strong. <laughs> the now, we're not being disrespectful. There's a difference. But the Bible says that God has given you the power. God has given it to you. And we need to understand it. That you, you and I, are to stand firm against his schemes. And not let him obliterate us. I, uh, I had another group of college students who, one night, they called me like 2 in the morning. 
That's, by the way, why I'm not a student pastor anymore. Um, and uh, Ronnie and Natalia can get those calls. And so I, I got, and, and they were shaken and scared. They had been watching a movie, and, and they sensed the presence in the room. And they, they go, but Chuck, we prayed, we prayed, and we think it's still here. And I said, I got a question for you guys. And they said, yeah. I go, do you have the lights on? And they go, well, wait, what? And I go, are you sitting in the dark? They go, yeah. <laughs> I said, turn on the lights. Turn on the light. Yeah. And, and I said, you know what? Turn on the lights and pray. Uh, guys, you know what? Don't sit in the darkness. Don't get close to the darkness. Don't get involved in that. God wants you to stand firm. He wants you to put on the full armor of light. He wants you to have power and confidence in Him. Not in us. In Him. That's what God calls us to. And we need to be those kind of people. Jesus is victorious. There's no question. Satan is not going to win. He doesn't get close. God wins. God has obliterated him. He already knows it, and he's running scared. And we need to be aware of that. I have a friend who I love named Sam Lamoni, and I'd love to tell you all about Sam, but let me tell you one thing about him. Sam is from India, and he always goes and leads big campaigns in India, and people flock to hear him preach, and, and he loves to bring people from the United States with him. Now, in India, they, they see the demonic appear a lot, partly because there's so much idolatry there, so much false religion, so much evil. And by the way, let me say this real quick. I, in my life, have twice encountered truly demon-possessed people. So it happens here, too. It happens here, too. But when Sam was in this particular situation, and he was preaching, and a 10-year-old boy stood up and began to scream out in perfect English. Uh, he had never been exposed to it. No one had taught it to him. He, he was saying vile things about Jesus and Sam. He was saying things about Sam that no one would know. Screaming and cursing. And, and Sam encounters this quite a bit. And he starts moving off the stage and moving towards the boy. And all of a sudden, this demon-possessed boy is screaming, No! No! Get away from me! Get away from me! And he's cowering in fear. And all the people who are watching see where the real power is. And then the boy starts backing up screaming. And he says, No! Get away! Get away! And he's pointing. But then they realize he's not pointing at Sam. He's pointing just above his shoulder. And then he starts screaming, Get away from me, Jesus! Get away from me, Jesus! The Lord was there. The Lord was there. Now, I want you to know, there is no issue who's going to win. The question is, whose side are you on? And I hope you and I are on the right side. And we need to be aware, there is a devil. There is a scheme. And notice what it says there. It says, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We need to be aware of that. The word scheme, many of you already could probably pick it up uh, if you heard the Greek word. It's the Greek word, methodia. Methodia, where we get the word method. There's a methodology to Satan. There's a mode of operation that he uses. And we're not to be ignorant of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 actually says that. It says, So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Now, you, you, everyone here knows, go, wait, you just pulled that verse out. Well, what's it talking about? That's like a, a, a phrase without the rest of the sentence. But I did it on purpose. I want you to hear that again. So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Now, what I want you to grab hold of is Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be aware of his schemes so that you are not taken advantage of. You're not sucked in. Now, in this case... If you read 2 Corinthians 2 in context, what I encourage you to do, in this case, he's talking about the issue of forgiveness. 
Paul says, I want you to know that whoever you forgive, I forgive. And that we need to forgive people in Christ. And he's talking about the idea. You need to be a forgiving person. Why? In big part, not the only reason, but in a big part so that you're not taken advantage of by Satan. Now, I want to tell you, when we're talking about spiritual warfare, you've got to lock this in. You've got to hold on to this tightly, this truth, that you and I are, are literally at a disadvantage in life. We are held captive when bitterness and anger and grudges set in. And I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this unaware of the fact that some of you today have had evil inflicted upon you. That you've been hurt. And maybe hurt's the wrong word. You've been deeply, deeply wounded. There's some things done and I talked last hour to someone, oh, and I, I got to tell you, my heart grieves when I get with people and realize how evil, evil other people in this world can be. And I'm not saying, but I am saying this, don't let it hang on to you. Don't let it have you. Don't let it control you. There's an amazing book out there. I want to encourage you to read it. It's called The Bait of Satan. The bait of Satan. And the book talks in there about the number one thing that Satan does to bait us, to hook us in, to draw us away from the life and the, that God wants you to have is by using people to hurt you. By, by creating deep inflicted wounds and infecting them so that now, now you're not able to live the kind of free life you're meant to live and love with the passion you're meant to love and experience the joy you're meant to have. And so God says, I don't want you to be ignorant of his schemes. I don't want you to not understand that. I, I don't know if you're like me, but man, I love the Star Wars movies. Do you love those? Do you remember then the third one? Which is really the sixth one. I, well, I don't, can't remember. But... Do you remember that the, the, the emperor was trying to suck Luke into the dark side? And all of you remember how he was going to do it? He was going to do something vile and evil. And then what happened is Luke got angry. He starts screaming at him, hate me, hate me, hate me. Why? Because when that hate began to take hold of him, it would suck him from the light to the darkness. Now, here's what I just want to make sure I overemphasize. If you're here today, God wants you to forgive. Now, in forgiving, that is not saying that what someone did is okay. It's not saying it never happened. And it's not saying, don't miss this one, it's not saying it doesn't matter. What it's saying is you no longer will let it control you. You will not be under its power anymore. That Jesus created you to overwhelmingly conquer and not to be a victim. That you will not let whatever somebody did define you and control you anymore. That's what forgiveness means. There's power in that. And Satan doesn't want you to have it. And there's an evil, evil plan out there. If you were to look up at Ephesians 4.26, a couple chapters back, look what it says. It says this, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't give the devil an opportunity. So I want to tell you, we're not to be ignorant of his schemes. And so we know one of the ways that Satan operates is trying to create bitterness and evil in us. But there's others. There's others. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says this. Paul said, But I'm afraid that as the serpent, that's the serpent is the devil, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity of, 
and purity of devotion to Christ. Now, I want to not miss that. When Jesus, uh, or when Jesus confronted the devil and the devil tempted him, he did it in the exact same way he did Eve. I, I want you to think about that. When, when Jesus was on that, that time where he's starving because he's been fasting and Satan comes, what does he do? He starts twisting the word of God, trying to draw him away from the truth of the word and the power of the word. And by the way, in a very real way, the simplicity of the word of God, that Jesus would not love the Lord his God with all his heart, mind, and soul. He tried to draw him away and, and tempt him by twisting. Uh, that's what happened with Eve. When Satan showed up, he said, has God really said? And we see that happening in our day and time. There are all sorts of people out there that are twisting the word of God and taking away from the word of God. And it says our key to having the strength is to not be drawn away into those kinds of things, but to cling to God and to cling to his truth and to cling to his word. Let me go ahead and just address one that's out there right now. There's a book that was written that, that could not be more poorly written and more poorly thought out and could not be more wrong that actually says that there are many ways to go to heaven. And that in the end, if you die, eventually you'll go. Everybody's eventually going to go. That, that, you know what, the bottom line, God wouldn't put someone in hell. And I want to be as clear as I can. God is going to send people to hell. Now, why would I say that? Because the Bible says it. Jesus said it. You, need, you and I need to listen to Jesus and not the words of men. And, and that needs to be what we do. That's what we hang on to. Jesus warned there is a narrow way that leads to life, and it's difficult, and few will find it. You can't mistake what he's saying there. And then he said there's a broad way and a very large gate that leads to destruction, and many will find it. And what we need to do is not allow anyone to, to suck us away from the truth of the word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There are not many paths and many roads. As a matter of fact, because there's an enemy, that's why there's many religions trying to, to get people away from the one true truth that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Please don't miss this. God loves you. And I hope you, I mean, I want to, don't, I, I don't say that quickly. He loves you. You matter to him. And so in the midst of that, God sent his son so that you and I might be saved. And we do not want to allow anything to draw us away from the purity of devotion, living our life with Jesus and for Jesus, and being in a relationship with God the Father. Don't let anything take you from that. And it is pretty simple. You ready? God wants you to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's the greatest calling of God. The second you love others. But I, I want to say something else here. And, and, and please lock this in too. I'm using that word purposely. Don't let this truth leave you. Um, a lot of people have been pulled away from the purity of devotion by not being devoted. Francis Chan, I was watching him recently. I love Francis Chan. And Francis Tran grabbed his Bible and he said this. He goes, you guys, I just cannot be as clear as I can what this says. He said, I, I look at this and I read this and I study this and you can't get around it. That you need to understand that salvation is only for those who truly follow Jesus Christ as Lord. If you say you're a Christian and you're not living it, there's nothing in here that tells you you're saved. Now, I want to have you think about that. It, it's true. 
I, I want to, it's kind of a test moment. Let's see how well our church knows this, our family knows this. Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Let's try it together. If you love me, you will? Yeah, you'll obey me. You'll obey me. Now, I want to say, Jesus said, if you really love me, you're going to obey me. If you're here today, I, 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 this isn't being mean or judgmental. If you're here today and you're not living in a purity of devotion to Christ, you've got a lot of dark things in your life or you're disobedient to God or you're holding back, then you know what? I, you, just, you, you could say you love him all you want. Jesus said, if you love me, you'd obey me. And, and some people go, well, wait a moment, salvation by grace. Oh, it's by the grace of God. But if you really love God, you're going to obey him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, summing up the Sermon on the Mount, he goes, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. You who do not obey my law, obey my word. You get away from me. And they'll go, but Lord, we preached your name, and we we." dead miracles in your name and we cast out demons in your name and jesus will say go away i never knew you those who practice lawlessness those who do not know him as savior and lord there's nothing in the bible that says you're saved nothing and it's not a salvation by works it's a salvation in relationship with jesus christ the savior and lord and we need to understand that the simplicity is this love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul it's that simple are there some complex things underneath it? Yeah, but the simplicity's there, that we would really be his. And Satan's constantly trying to suck people away from that, going, well, but hasn't God said that, you know, if you pray the prayer, which, by the way, there's nowhere in there that says that. God said, if you love me, you'll obey me. He, Jesus said, come follow me. Their whole idea is that we're in this relationship that's real. And there are all sorts of false teaching out there. But when we look at the Bible and what it says, we don't miss it. 2 Corinthians 11 goes on with something that I don't want you to miss. It says in verse 13, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. Not every, and, and, and I want you to not miss that. Today, if you're here and you say, man, i got to tell you, though, I've been around some people that are Christians, and they're worse than everybody else. Well, I want to ask the question, why do you think they're a Christian? Well, they said they were. Well, that, that doesn't work. You know, the Bible, you, and you might say, Chuck, you're being kind of judgmental. Well, if I walked up to my wife, Pam, and said, Pam, you know what, you're a woman. And she looked at me, don't judge me. <laughs> By the way, my wife is a woman. And, uh, yeah, you are. And, uh, if I said, I don't see any fruit, Jesus said, you know them by the fruit. If the fruit is the opposite, Paul said, that can't be from the Holy Spirit. That's not judgmental, it's just true. And the Bible could not be more clear about the fact there are people who disguise themselves. They pretend to be Christians that are not. And by the way, even that have my role. How many people who have been in the position I'm in in a church somewhere were anything but Christian? Yeah, it really is true, and it's heartbreaking. Matter of fact, in The People of the Lie by M. Scott Peck, he says, you, were, you know that one place to find truly evil people is in the church in leadership. But it doesn't mean. Jesus warned about this. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sows wheat in his field, and at night the enemy, Satan, comes and sows tares among the wheat. And we know that. So what does he say? So look at the fruit. 
Don't let that, if you're here and you thought, man, I've been around people who say they're Christians and I could not be more disappointed, so are we. Now, by the way, please don't miss this. We're not talking perfection. Do you practice lawlessness or do you practice righteousness? Now, what does that mean? John says, you know you know him if you practice righteousness. Does that mean you're perfect? No, it means you practice at it. If you, you know, you're on a baseball team and the coach hit you, uh, was hitting you ground balls and you miss one and he goes, that's it, you're off the team. Would anybody here think that's a good coach? No, and I want to tell you what Jesus doesn't do. When you're out there really trying and you have a heart for him and you mess up, the Lord doesn't go, you're fired. <laughs> you get the joke, fired. And uh, <laughs> I hope you got it. He doesn't say you're fired. You know, you, you messed up. By the way, uh, uh, one of the signs, according to Dr. Peck, of a truly evil person is they don't know they've ever done anything wrong. Everybody else is always wrong. By the way, I know I've done wrong things. Any of you who've been around me go, man, sometimes I'm amazed you're even a pastor. Me too. <laughs> the good news is I'm with a group of elders that messed up too. <laughs> we get together. There's no hiding it. If you go, man, man, I don't know about well, this church, then if you've got even your leadership has a problem, well, guess what? It's, that's why we need a Messiah. That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> but in saying that, it doesn't mean we're not not seeing God move in our lives. They're not seeing, I look at the men I'm around me and, and they're growing in the Lord. And, and that's what needs to be. It goes in verse 14, 11 verse 14 says, no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds. Whose end will be according to their deeds. And, and so he says, you're not ignorant of the schemes of Satan to draw you away and, and from the real devotion of Christ, really living for the Lord, really being his. That's what God wants you to do. That's who he wants you to be. And, and I want to tell you, that's the desire of God for you and for me to have that with him. It is a very real relationship as Savior, but Lord means that he directs my life and I want him to do that and I love it and I love living with him and for him. And so when it comes to spiritual warfare, he says, I want you to wear the full armor of light, and I don't want you to be sucked into something that you're not supposed to be sucked into. And, and you and I need to know that. Let me tell you, Satan would love to take you down. And before I go on, I want you to understand how meaningful that thought is. And what is it? It's this. There are billions of people on this planet and right now, Satan actually knows you by name and would love to take you down. And you might say, well, are you saying that I, meaning you and me, that I matter that much to the one devil that he would want to do that? And I want to tell you, you do. Because you matter that much to the God the Father. So that's what I want you to know. Because God truly loves you so much, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross because you matter that much to him. I want you to know that there is an enemy that would love to harm you, that would love to take you down. And, and you, by the way, you ready for this? You also have such a destiny. You not only matter to God because he loves you, you matter to God because you're gonna, if you fulfill what God wants you to fulfill and be who you are supposed to be, you're going to do things that are going to make such a difference that Satan doesn't want it to happen. 
we rightly tell people in the back room over here, hey, now that you made this decision for the Lord, be ready because you're going to have some attacks. I'm telling you this, all of you who are here today that love the Lord, when you get ready to say, you know what, I'm going to live for Him with everything I've got, be ready. I'm not saying be afraid. I'm saying be ready because you're going to have some attacks. And you're not to be afraid. Remember, we stand against the schemes. We stand against the devil. We resist him and flee temptation. And it's not about being prideful. It's about having this relationship with God. When I was in sixth grade, we had this guy who terrorized everybody in the school pretty much. And, and this one little kid seemed to be the target. And one day, early on in, in the school year, he calls this kid out and says, I'm fighting you today after school. The little guy's going to fight the big guy. I mean, it really happened. So all of us went to the yard where we always fought. It's kind of a sport. And we're all ready for this little guy to get obliterated. We figured his dad told him something like, you know, it's better to fight and and stand up to the bully, which we all thought was bad advice. And um, so we're there waiting, and this kid walked up so bold and so unafraid, and he said, you're never going to pick on me again. And this guy's getting ready to annihilate him. And then it happened. There was a van parked across the street we didn't notice. And out of that van came one of the biggest men at that time I'd ever seen in my life, all of us. We found out later that he was a starting lineman for University of Southern California football team. We also found out he was the older brother of the little kid. (laughs) Didn't go well for the bully. I'm not saying be afraid. If you've got Jesus and he's got you, you have nothing to fear but you have a life to live that's incredible. Here's the question. Do you have Jesus and does he have you? And is it real? Is it real? And and it's about having a very real relationship with him. How do you get the relationship? I need to take time on this. You become born again. You become born again. You you actually are born as a child of God. Uh, Did you see that little Owen today knew me? Uh, another girl that I love named Amanda, she, I've known her since she's in junior high, Pam and I have, she was saying she, they just had a baby, her and her husband, and they, they, I think they may even be in the family room right now, but when they bring the baby, the baby's a little bit fussy, but when he comes in and hears my voice, he goes to sleep. Which a lot of you go, me too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know why that baby? Because from in the womb, he's heard my voice because she's in church every week. And he knows me. Now, here's the thing. When you are a baby Christian, you know the voice of the Father. You may not know what He's always saying to you, but you're to know His voice. You have an impression of Him. Then as you get older, you start knowing Him better and better. Being born again is about being born into this relationship. How does it happen? Well, you you say, I want it, Lord. I'm saying yes, and the Holy Spirit comes and does something inside you where all of a sudden you're a new person. And you're not going to be the same anymore. If you're here today and you say yes to him and you never have before, you're going to walk out of here a child of God, but you're going to walk out of here different. Something's going to come into your heart and life. It's going to change you. It's God doing all the work. See, it's not us earning it. It's him doing it. And by the way, today, if you're someone who's not living for the Lord like you should and you are a Christian, you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to come back. He wants you back. And I'm going to ask you today that if you want to give your life to Christ, we're going to pray in a moment. I'm going to ask you to pray with me and just just whisper a prayer and say, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to mark this day in a way because the Bible says to do it. Where if God says, you know what, step out and it's a bold thing to do, I'm going to ask you to come. And today, if you need to recommit your life, I want to tell you, you need to mark this day the way the Bible says by stepping out and saying, you know what, I'm His. But it all begins by telling him you want it. 
by talking to him. Now, as we get ready to pray, we've been praying all morning that in this very time, that some of you would know God's calling you. And I know it might be scary to say, okay, I'm about to let everything change like this. But when you surrender to God, you're about to enter the most amazing life ever. And when you come back, let's pray. Father, I do pray and ask that your Holy Spirit move in this room. And I ask God that you begin to touch anybody here right now who needs to say yes to you. Who either needs to, for the very first time, open up and become born again. And Jesus, have you in their heart and in their life to be the Father's child. To have an intimate relationship begin where they just all of a sudden experience new life and in a new heart. And God, I pray for that right now. I pray for the person who's here that's been wounded and hurt. And God, today, they're going to let that just literally be healed. And I pray they sense the healing power. God, I pray for the person who's caught up in something they, they know is wrong. I think there's someone sitting here who even last night, three different times in their mind, they knew what they were doing was wrong. And today they need to be forgiven and cleansed and redirected. And God, I pray today they're going to say yes. Father, I pray for the person who needs to come back to you. I pray for the person, Lord, who's just been afraid. There's, there's people right now, Lord, I believe you're calling. And I think they know it. And I pray, and God, I pray for them right now. Please help them say these words. Please help them open up to you. God, I pray they can sense this is their moment. Right now, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you if you want to say yes to God or you want to recommit to him. I'm going to ask you right now to pray this with me. I, you, God loves you and he wants you. And if you want him, right now, just we're going to tell him together. Say this. You're going to talk to Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of all my sin. To heal me from all my hurt and all my pain. To free me from all my fear. And you want to make me alive. You want to make me brand new, and you want to make me yours. And I say yes. Yes, I want this, and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love, and fill me with your spirit, and make me yours completely. And Jesus, in your name I pray, amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, praise God for you.